You guys ready to start? Can we start a minute early? Would that be all right? All right. Welcome. This is Disciple Making Leaders. Uh, my name is Brent Heishman. I pastor um, a great church in Marion, Ohio, and um, have made a months and years study of discipleship and leadership. And uh, this is a subject that's dear to my heart. And I, I want you to know that what we'll talk about today and what you have in your hands um, isn't just theory. It actually is the, um, the result of working together with teams, um, two different churches trying to determine um, how to help people actually become disciple makers. And I think, it's, I think it's really critical that as we start this conversation um, today that we recognize that, that the goal um, is that we're creating someone who can invest in another person's life to help that person invest in another person's life to become as much like Jesus as possible. So what I've discovered is, is, is we're talking with leaders, we're talking with church people, everybody has a different idea about what discipleship is. Um, and I think it's really important as we go through, I'm going to reemphasize many times what, what I'm looking at and where we're headed, because I think the most valuable thing we can do is invest in people to help them um, be able to invest in others to help them to be able to invest in others, to help them become disciple makers. And I think that's, that's the critical piece. So it's not just about information, it's not just about learning something, it's, it's about the ability to um, help another person do what you're doing. So, um, so let's pray. Father, we thank you that this uh, topic is near and dear to your heart. You tell us that we have to go into all the world uh, and make disciples of every nation, teaching them to obey everything that you've commanded. God, I just confess there's no way I can do that without your help, without your spirit, without your presence, without, without your intervention, Lord. So we recognize today that you're the greatest disciple maker ever, that you're the greatest leader ever. Uh, and, and Lord, we just want to be able to uh, look on your cheat sheet and discover if we could if we could go back 2,000 years and walk with you the problem would be solved but Lord we're going to need your divine help by your Holy Spirit so that you can disciple us and help us to be disciple makers we thank you for that in Jesus name amen amen well we're glad you're here so we'll have a good time today um, not all leaders are disciple makers but I think all the disciple makers are sought after leaders our goal today and it's a high goal um, we want to present a plan to help you make disciple makers so I want to just give some introduction so that we're kind of on the same page um, ways that we learn how do people learn people learn first of all um, through information and observation okay they also learn through imitation. And then they finally, or I don't know if it's finally, but ultimately we want them to be able to learn through 
innovation, that they've got a grasp of the information, they've done it enough, now they can innovate and apply it to their particular situation. And really, the level of competency there is, is higher than it is in those other two levels. You can gain some information, um, but not be able to take that information and apply it to different people's lives and different people's situations. And that's what being a disciple maker is, is you have to know where you're headed, but then you have to be able to look at the person and determine where they're at. And then comes the really hard part is how are you going to help them go from where they're at to where they need to go, knowing that they would be there if they weren't stuck. And that, that level of innovation, that level of, it, it, that's, that's not easy. That is why we say disciple making doesn't, you know, is, is tough in the church. I really do think it's, it's that piece is that we think if we just give people information or we give them a task and say, go work with somebody, um, they may or may not be able to do that. Um, so I, I'm stuck in that same place where a lot of people are at. So do we just give up and say, well, some people get it and some people don't? I, I guess we can. Um, and thank God for the people who naturally get it. They pick it up by osmosis or whatever, or God's put gifts in their lives, and, and they, they're able to be natural-born disciple makers. Um, but what about the commandment to go into all the world <laughs> and make disciples of all nations? You know, what, what about that? That's the problem. That's, so there's got to be, there's got to be that thing that Jesus was able to do is to take people who don't have it and somehow put them in an environment where they can get it and they, and they can become disciple makers. So another way to look at that would be looking at the way we learn through levels of, of learning. Um, everybody's familiar with a student, okay? We learn as a student. That's different than learning to be a teacher, right? So the whole training process is if you're, if you're just coming to be a student, that's one approach. But if I'm going to teach you to be a teacher, that's a whole other approach, right? Then the next approach is I want to teach you to train teachers. And that, again, is where, where we're at with disciple-making, is we are trying to help people not just have information, not just to be able to stand up in front of a group and dispense information, or, or how many of you know people who do things really well? They, you know, they can build a house with their eyes closed, but you ask them to teach somebody, they, they don't know, they can't teach them. Um, how, do you, how do you do what you do? Well, I just do it. I, I don't know. But, but Jesus had the ability to say, okay, this is the steps. These are the pieces that are missing, and this is the steps. So um, being a teacher trainer, um, not just a student, not just training someone to be a teacher, but training someone to, to teach teachers, right, to train teachers, that's a whole other level. So, again, I don't want to scare us, but I do think that I've tried to, as I've looked at this for the last eight to ten years I've tried to determine why does it feel so difficult when it should be so simple and I think one thing I've discovered is that we're all very comfortable with the student model or the level of learning and we approach discipleship as as just bringing it across for a student 
and it's very different. It's not just a Sunday school class. You can't, you cannot make a disciple just by being up front for 25 minutes on a Sunday morning or in a Sunday school class for 45 minutes. It's a whole different thing. And I think that's part of the reason. I'm sure there are other reasons why um, we struggle with it. Uh, Jesus' model aimed at making disciple makers. Many times uh, we struggle because um, we're trying to make followers or students instead of disciple makers. So the question is, is I'm always looking, what's the domino effect? What's the domino that I can push over to get a lot of things done at the same time? Um, an example of what I mean by that in the context of discipleship is, is that one of our key result areas for church health is being spirit-filled or spirit-baptized. Okay? To me, that's a domino effect. I think that's why that was chosen. If I can push that domino over in somebody's life, there are a lot of other problems that I'll never have to deal with incrementally if they just get spirit-filled, spirit-baptized, fall in love with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is on their life. It's, a, it's one of those domino effects. So I'm looking in disciple-making at what are the dominoes? What are the things we can touch that will cause us um, not to have to walk through the millions of obstacles and the millions of skills that people need to be able to develop to become more like Jesus. So, a, a scripture. My, one of my favorite life scriptures, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The good news is, we become more like Jesus, and that ultimately is our saving grace with disciple-making, is if I can just imitate Jesus, I'll be fine. If I can just do it like Jesus does. And the scripture says that we all with unveiled faces who contemplate, gaze into the face of God, we are naturally in just that encounter with God. We are being transformed into his image. So I think it's critical that we connect this to the Holy Spirit, we connect this whole process um, to what are we trying to achieve? We're trying to help people become the best version of Jesus they possibly can become. That's where we're ultimately headed. What's a disciple look like? Becoming the best Jesus they can be. That's the, that's the big, huge goal. But there are a lot of specific things about that, right? There are a lot of very specific pieces that, that we, we've got to look at too. So here's a definition. A definition of discipleship. Um, I don't know that I can take credit for it. I probably ripped it off from a lot of different places. But a disciple maker is a person who, like Jesus, facilitates intentional growth relationships, equipping people to invest in others to become more like Jesus. Okay? I tried, as I put that together, to make sure every one of those words meant something. Um, your job as a disciple maker is to create the opportunity and the environment. So you have to see that 
within you. You can't farm this out. You, you, okay, I'm, I, I've said this. Man, if I just had a good disciple maker in my church, I'd let them do it. But the problem with that is we're all supposed to be disciple makers, right? This isn't a specialty thing. This is something we're all supposed to be doing. So I can't farm it out. So I have to be intentional about it. I have to think about it. There's got to be a, an intentionality in my life that, that makes sure that in the end, as, I, as I'm done, is I'm making disciple makers, okay? Um, so the, facilitating that intentional growth relationship. And I think this is where um, when you're calling people into relationships, about discipleship is you the expectation is is we're not just here to hang out we're here to hang out to grow i think that's a critical piece we we are here to become more like jesus we want to be friends we want to we need all that but that's all part of where we're headed we want to grow and you can't do discipleship and you can't become a disciple maker um, outside of the context of relationships you need people and you need and part of the problem with this whole thing is some of us just struggle with with people you know it's just better i mean uh, you know if i could be a pastor and not have to deal with people my <laughs> life <laughs> you know if i could be a leader and not have to worry about people my life would be a better thing but jesus loves people and jesus hands the greatest mission ever in the universe to people. People who he knows are more imperfect than we know they are. That we, we don't believe in them. I wouldn't trust them with this mission, but Jesus does. I wouldn't trust me with this mission, but Jesus. So it is about relationships. It is about doing this together. And, and I think, um, as I've heard some wise people say, the best disciple-making groups, experiences, journeys, life, doing life together, however you're going to say it, comes in small groups, comes with groups of people who are like-mindedly committed to the same thing. When we're done here, we're going to hang out together today, but we're all going to be more like Jesus. We're going to hold each other accountable, and in the end, we're going to say, yes, yes, we're a little bit further, closer to the goal. So, um, and then we've talked about the last piece is we're equipping people um, to invest in others to become more like Jesus. So, to grow, you need goals. One of the issues I have had, not so much with leaders, but you will have this issue with people in your church or, or people who aren't even saved yet. There are some people who like goals and some people who hate goals. You set a goal in front of somebody, and, and some people are all, all about it, and others want to run from it, okay? I don't know how you work around that, um, but you're going to have to work around it. You're going to have to figure out what your approach is. You may not tell people that they're going to set a goal. <laughs> if that freaks them out, then, then you've got to figure out a different way to do it. But for your sake, you've got to realize we're going, something, going someplace, and we need specific next steps. What's, what's it going to look like? So 
borrowing the key result areas, and I think these are, again, domino effects. I added one at the beginning. What's, what's a, for church health, a, a person who is going to be a healthy disciple maker, they need to be saved, right? Be saved and all in. If you can get them saved and you can get them all in for Jesus, you push that domino over, you know, you're going to get a little bit further than someone who's not. So that might be the first step. And you might say, well, everybody in my church is saved. Well, they may or may not be, but they're probably not all all in, are they? And really, when you get saved at the beginning, you were supposed to be all in. That didn't change. Today, we're supposed to be all in. So, so that may be the first goal. That may be the first thing that we're aiming at. What do we, we want to get our group of people as all in and saved as possible. And what's that going to look like? So that might be a goal. Um, another goal would be being spirit-baptized or spirit-filled, being more spirit-filled. Another goal may be that we all increase in our effectiveness of being able to share our God story and invite people maybe to join our group, maybe to come to church, maybe wouldn't it be wonderful to come to salvation, that we get really good at that. Um, so, um, and then lastly, to, to make disciples. Um, how, how good are we at that? So I think setting specific goals, do they have to be those goals? No. If you're working with people who are not yet saved, your goal might be that they'll listen to you for two seconds about the gospel. That might be the first step. But what I tried to do is give you something that has enough substance that if you don't know where to start, you have a place to start, okay? You can imitate it, because that's the learning levels, right? You get the information as a student, then you, then you imitate it, and then you innovate. Eventually, I would love for you to be able to take this and I'll throw it away and say, I got something way better than this, Heishman. This is, your, your idea is like tra training wheels. This is, the, this is the thing to be in, okay? But as, as I've walked with this, I recognize that most people are not capable of innovation until they've walked through the process. And Pastor John and I know this. We, we were in a, a leadership uh, cohort together and did a master's cohort together. And we, both of us were appalled by the lack of pastors in that leadership group taking their master's who had had a disciple, who had a mentor or a disciple maker in their life, who were just literally disciples, very few people. And these are the people who are leading us. So when we, when we talk about leaders, just because you're a leader or someone is a leader doesn't mean that they've been in a context of a mentoring, developing relationship, um, that, that, that they learn things through that and that they know how to do it. Um, so uh, I think sometimes we have to give people training wheels. And and recognize that one size doesn't fit all. Some people are going to complain about the training wheels, right? The older kid in the family, don't give me training wheels. I can ride without this. This is stupid. Well, you're going to have people in your church that say that. This is stupid. I don't need that. Why do we need all that stuff? Well, the problem is it's not for you, right? It's, it's not for you. 
It's, it's so you can learn how to help somebody who doesn't know how to do what you do. And so in this, in this process, you've got to recognize that there are going to be some people who need to hear the information in your group from a student's perspective. They're just learning. There's some that are going to need to just, for the first time, go out with you and listen to you share their faith. That may be the first time. And then you got someone else that's a just, I, know I do that every Saturday. I share my faith every Saturday. I don't, this is, this is way too. But that person doesn't have a clue how to help someone else because they're so intimidating with their, all their skills and gifts. Everybody else goes like this. I can't do that. So explaining to people that the process needs to be able to include everybody and recognize that even if I don't think I need to know this information, I may need to learn how to troubleshoot um, somebody who's stuck. And what's a, what's a better way to do that than to be with a group of people who are stuck, right? You do it well, I don't do it well at all. What's the obstacle? What do I need to add? What's, what's missing? So um, as we look at um, the second half of this page, um, it's a mixture really of being organic and structured I wish it didn't have to be systemic or be a system, but sometimes it has to be both. It just depends on where um, your people are. Okay, so now I want to I want to jump in here and walk through the process, and then leave enough time for you guys to just hurl insults at me. Um, <laughs> so. We already talked about the importance of goals. At the top of your page, you're going to see four of those kind of church health key result areas. So maybe these are, as you gather your group of people, maybe this is what your group is going after, okay? Um, whatever the goal is, I think there's going to be some version of the next five steps that are going to be required um, for you to walk through. These steps could be an hour and a half that you're meeting together. These steps could be a, a, a series of life-on-life um, -life relationships. But I think you've got to still go through the steps, okay? So, um, so let's, let's plug in, because how many of you are saved? Anybody? If you're not, Jesus loves you with all of his heart, and you're missing out on a great thing. Um, and so I encourage you by the end of this, this session to give your heart and life completely to Christ. Um, so what, what if we picked for the first goal together that we're going to be saved or saved and all in? That will, that will help. Um, you who are working with people who um, not yet believers and those of you that are look, working with people perhaps that are um, in the church but need to be more dedicated, which is all of us. Okay, So I would say the first step is going to require some information and inspiration 
that's going to move us towards the goal. So we took a journey for about a year at Centerpoint and gathered a, a team of our leaders together, and we created something for us that we are still hammering out, um, but it, it's looking like a more and more finished product, is we created curriculum, and I use this <laughs> very, because everybody asks, do you have curriculum? We've created a little bit of meat to these steps, okay? So I can hand somebody that doesn't know how to teach somebody about being saved or all in, that they've got, they've got something that they can, they can go with. And so what we've tried to do is we've tried in that information to say, God is redeeming you. God is transforming you, and God is calling you to represent him. So in a nutshell, that's where we're headed with that, is to understand you're being redeemed, you're being transformed, and God's calling you to represent him, represent his kingdom. Okay? So that would be the information time. Um, for us, we gathered for about an hour and 15 minutes. We talked through that information, um, and then we asked Questions like, where are you at? Take some time to hear where people are at. What's God saying to you? What are you, what are you discovering? What, what are you going to do about it? Two questions we try to ask all the time, and this, is, this isn't my stuff. It's been ripped off by many people, and if you are a discipleship guru in the room, you'll recognize that these questions are from um, from Breen um, and his disciple-making culture. But um, what's God saying, and what am I going to do about it? What's God saying, and what am I going to do about it? What's God saying, and what am I going to do about it? Great questions. And really, if you just go with those two questions after you've processed some information together, you will be amazed at where you come to in that that first group setting session life on life discussion um, step two and and usually as we're linking these together the expectation is we're going to grow together so so what are you going to do about it we we share about what we think we're going to do well I haven't really been praying like I used used to so I'm going to make I'm going to make a goal to pray more and then I ask and so should you What's it going to look like for you to pray more? Give me, give me a specific, I'm going to pray Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for 10 minutes. That way we can check it off to see if they made progress. Praying more is a little bit too ambiguous in general. So make sure that the goal is specific and it doesn't need to be earth shattering. That may be where they're at. Somebody else may, their, their, their level of what they're all in commitment could be way more than that. Someone else could just say, you know what? I'm just going to make a commitment to have an open heart about all this because I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a win, right? But get them, get them, get them to you. You wanted to come on this journey with me. Now, come on. What are you going to do about it, right? We're here to grow. So, so push them a little bit and come up with, with what that's going to look like. So step two after you've got some information, now this is all about applying it to me. I'm going to grow. What's my goal? 
How will I know I've reached my goal? Where am I? What obstacles are there? What steps do I need to take? When will I take them? Who will help me? Being specific about where I'm at, what I perceive as obstacles, and critical thing is who's going to help me? Who's, who's going to hold me accountable? Who, who do I need more information from? Who do I need to watch more? Who do I need to hang out with more? So that, again, and, and if they don't know who, then, then if, if you've got more than two people in the room uh, together or in your house or in your living room or at the restaurant, you can say, well, somebody here, who can help? Because our goal is, is that as a discipleship group, we don't only want to get to our goal and look back and say uh, to Pastor John, ha ha, I got there first, help yourself, you know, and a lot of times that's kind of how the competitive thing is, right? I got there, you figure it out, you're a slacker. No, we don't really win until we're all there. We all need to get, get there, right? Because that's what it's about. And, and especially you need guys like John in the room that are lagging behind because you need to learn how to help them get ahead. That's your perfect opportunity. So don't get frustrated with the ones that don't get it. Look at them as, okay, Jesus, what would you do with a person who just is not getting it? How, how would you do that? Does it make sense? So this, the next step is after the information and the inspiration, the next step is, Okay, I'm going to apply it to me. I'm going to grow. Step three now is not only I'm going to grow, but how am I going to help others in my life grow? Because we're making disciple makers. This is a critical part. It isn't just about learning information. It's not just about me getting it. Now i got to help somebody else, and so i got to help other people grow. And you just ask those same questions, except you ask them to someone else. That's what step three is about. What that looks like for you, you know, it could be coffee and a 30-minute conversation. It could be a discipleship group on a Sunday night with seven or eight people, and you have refreshments, and it goes for an hour and a half of conversation. But at the end of each of these steps or groups or times that you're together, you've got to ask the question, so what's God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? So what's it going to look like in step two for you to grow? And what are you going to do about it between the time that we're here today and the next time we meet? For step three, I'm going to help others grow. What's it going to look like for me to help somebody else grow? Something specific. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend some time with them and and if I have to text them every every day and say have you prayed today and if that's too direct say I prayed and then leave it and see if they will respond you know <laughs> whatever it just depends on where they're at with that right so we, we help others grow step four um, step four and step five could be combined I found out practically when we tried to combine them it didn't work um, maybe maybe it will as we do this more often. So we separated um, step step four and five and made them two steps. But together, your team, whoever you're at, maybe it's you and another person, 
can we create an activity because discipleship isn't about just knowing it's a lot about doing okay so maybe maybe you're recruiting people um, to pray for people at the end of the service the only way they're ever going to get good at praying for people at the end of the service is if they do it a lot so maybe the mission is join me because you got to have somebody there and and just be a be a fly on the wall just join me Sunday morning when we when we pray for people if that's the context join me as you know we're going to walk through Myers and and God's going to direct us to somebody and we're going to stop and we're going to ask we and pray for them that may be a, a high challenge for someone it may be right up someone else's alley you'll have to <clears throat> determine if that works for them or not but whatever that looks like what's the activity what are you going to do so um checking time are we supposed to be done at 12 30 gotcha so we still have we still have uh 30 minutes right gotcha okay um, this was the hardest thing for me. I went into the group faking it big time. I didn't know what I was doing and what was going to happen. And I'm the expert, right? I'm the discipleship guy in the church that believes we're going to do this. And I'm, we're going to create a mission. I don't know what that looks like. So what I, what I asked is I, I said, what do you guys think? What, what do you think? And the, the first time through, it was, it was kind of awkward, and someone came up with a pretty good idea. And we ended up coming to the place that the next time we were together, we are going to do, we're going to do communion together, and we're going to seek the face of God for direction. So that was one piece. We're going to bring a gift. that We're going to just surrender to the Lord. And we're going to go out all together in the community and look for ways to be a blessing to people. That was kind of where it was at and our assignment was to be a little bit more specific. So, so we created that mission. We came back and the day that we did the mission, we had communion together. There was some direction that was given. Um, people gave $20 bills or gift certificates to people in the community, shared their faith were just an encouragement or whatever. And sometimes that whole deal was, that was the first time that we'd ever done that. They'd ever done that. But we did it together and we failed big time together and we laughed big time together and we, we, we succeeded. There's something about going on a mission together. Think about it as a mission trip <clears throat> in that context, if you can think about it, is how, how much have you learned if you've been on a short-term missions trip how much have you learned in a process like that or maybe in a um, in an outreach that you went on or you did a, a vacation Bible school or whatever in the activity of doing something people learn about it the key thing to this isn't necessarily that we all meet our goals the key thing is that we discover where we're at because you don't know how good you are at something until you try it. So if you walk away and say, 
I just froze up. I couldn't talk to anybody. I was really uncomfortable in that communion time, especially when you asked me to pray. You know, where, where are you at? Well, how can we help you in, in that area to take that next, next step? And so, again, it becomes very personal. It becomes very um, specific to where a person is at. And we're trying to give everybody the next step to their growth, to their goal. Um, but I will say, <clears throat> especially with, with what was going on with COVID and us trying to do this in the midst of COVID and everything else, I will say that was the defining moment for that team is we felt like we knew each other, we trusted each other. It built relationships in a way that um, we hadn't had built up to that. So don't underestimate the importance of creating a mission where people can succeed and then going on that mission. So you say, well, what do we do after you do that? Well, that's where the leader has to evaluate. Are we, are we saved and all in enough? Or is there something else we need to do? And somebody might say, well, if we really were all spirit baptized and spirit filled to the nth degree, <clears throat> that might be better. That, that might help us move down the road again. So, so maybe it's time to shift and say, okay, we're, we're going to go on this journey together and we're going to learn about the being spirit-filled, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and all of us in this room are going to have a God encounter with the Spirit before we're done. That's the goal. Whatever that's going to look like for you, I don't know, but that's, that's where we're headed. Is everybody in? Yeah, we're in, Pastor. Let's go. So <clears throat> in a nutshell, um, the template that we're working with um, has some structure for some training wheels for us, but it also has a whole lot of flexibility that you can put whatever you want to in here. And I would say that if you have a, a ramp building ministry in your church, that you could use this to teach people how to build ramps and hopefully share the love of Jesus in the process, right? Because that's what it's, what it's all about. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to be quiet, take a drink, clear my throat, and see if you have any questions. Or comments. Yes, sir. Yes, it makes, it makes good sense. One of the biggest obstacles is recruiting and gathering who you're going to recruit and gather. Um, look for a person who is willing. Don't set your expectations on a certain number or be discouraged if enough, too many people don't come. Don't look at the crowd. Don't look for the crowd. Don't don't concentrate on the people who are going, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Just let them, let them cross their arms and go on, but find somebody. I remember um, our mentor, Dr. Wayne Lee, when he's talking about pastors recruiting people to come pray, is he would say, you're a worthless piece of humanity as a pastor if you can't get at least one person to come pray with you for 10 minutes. Your wife. 
your husband. You should at least be able, your, your, your five-year-old kid, you should be able to make them stand next to you. <laughs> you got to find somebody, right? So, so with that, he was just trying to help us recognize that sometimes, you know, I can get one. I've got to be able to influence one person. And if I can influence one person, um, that, that's a start. So I think, you're, I think you're open and honest. One of the things I'll say is, is I've been praying about who God wants to take on this discipleship journey or take you to the next level in your relationship with God. And I don't know, I may be completely wrong with this, but I just believe God laid you on my heart. And I want to make a commitment to you for the next five weeks. I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to help you be the best Jesus you can be. But I need you to come along with me and make a commitment to this group and make a commitment to grow and make a commitment to serve this church. So that personal approach, I think anybody in, in the, is a leader can do that. So that, that would probably be where I would, I would start. Somebody else. Yes. Yeah. Matt Johnson. Yeah. Um, uh, I had this earlier, but hoping you'd touch on it when you do report, is that do people need to be teachers or disciples before they can be used by leaders or teachers full time? Do they have to go through the process, or can you just kind of yank people all the way along? Um, <laughs> I, I am an out of the box, color out of the line guy, so I say absolutely you should be able to go there. Um, it just depends on where they're at, though. I think if we aim ultimately at make, helping them become a disciple maker and don't say, now, you're going to be a student first, and then you're going to be a teacher, I think we slow people down. So I think you'll have to use that, but I agree. I think you can probably, I believe the reason we, it takes so long is we're not aiming at the right place. Um, so it could be just as simple as you throw everything away I just gave you. <laughs> John's going, <laughs> uh, let's make it make it as simple make this as simple as possible, right? So would would you just come with me and and watch me share my faith? That's all I want you to do. Stand there and pray. Hold my hand because I get nervous. And then when we get back, let's talk about what that looks like. And then you know where you're headed. One day I'm going to be standing next to you holding your hand and you're going to share your faith. So, yeah, I, I think we've got to make sure we're aiming there. I think for me, the, where I've come at is the pastors are my twofold security blanket. It's all the believers that need to be steadfast in Christ's discipleship. It's all the believers 120. It's all the believers 3,420. I've come to realize that all the believers are 3,000. Yeah. So I wasn't going to answer, so I just jumped on the front. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is super relevant. 
country, and I'm pretty new to this game. So <laughs> that being said, you know, I think we, we, from what you were saying, the safety part, okay, we got that. But I think maybe we take it for granted, the all-in yeah. element. And I related to Zach what you said because I'm super <laughs> excited about that, you know. Uh, but, you know, how often do we jump to goal three or four? We're building a, a you know, house on a tethered foundation trying to move too fast. So I guess in your experience, So I think asking similar questions to what you just posed, I think questions are, are great. Is is what, what's it what's it look like? What's how much the Bible says love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does that look like? Um, pro, probe in that question um, and be specific with it. You know, um, tell, talk to me. What's it look like for you to love God with all your mind, with all your time, with all your energy, with with your with your body, with your finances, and and ask me the first question again. You 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 were wanting to know about whether. Always, <laughs> always. It's it's all. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Is yesterday I thought I was all in. Before COVID, I thought I was all in. <laughs> I, I am a worthless piece of humanity. <laughs> you know, I think I think it's as as we grow, we reach those points, and that's that's what you're looking for. You're looking for those places. You really want to find the people who who say, you know what, I'm not all in. I just recognize I'm not all in. So so I don't know that I'm probing for that to dis to to disqualify. I'm probing for that to know where to go next. So it's positive. It's a positive thing. Yes, sir. The same proof that yes or yes Jesus said, Oh, how much how long must I be with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same group. Yeah. Same group. Were they all in? Probably. But they were in the roller coaster. So you know, one day they're yeah, I'm all in. The next day they're oh man, you messed up again. <laughs> and I don't know that you have to go step by, by giving you the step by step and even the key result areas in Ohio for Jesus. The Holy Spirit can go any direction he wants to go and start any place he wants to start. So I've known people who have gotten, quote unquote, saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. I've known people who had God encounters of, of, of way that I've never had and they weren't a Christian. 
so yeah don't you know don't think it's got to be orderly because we, we're so methodical in our You and then you, yeah. Yeah, so, so for me, I really do love people, and I'm in love with the church. Um, so I'm a relationship guy, so that's a little bit easier for me. I want to sit across the room. I, I want people to like me. You guys have been... <laughs> that have walked with me know that so uh, that it's easier for me um, but even with even with that I have had to prioritize that um, and even the interruptions of that as as not necessarily being oh I didn't get anything done today but to say no I really got done what I needed to get done that other stuff that was on my to-do list can wait so I think the, the answer to the question is, is go back to the Great Commission. Disciple the nations. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And me running to Lowe's to get a gallon of paint to make sure the workday is ready. I mean, it could be that, but just in itself, I checked off my list and got stuff done. I'm not sure. I don't know if that answers the question. But, yeah, you're going to have to say, you're going to have to make it a priority. But you're still going to have to protect some time. Don't let them kill you. Okay, so those of you that are in, um, in a situation where you have needy people, set boundaries. They don't need you. I mean, I learned a long time ago. They were, their life was a train wreck a long time before I got there. And, they, and when they told me, I was more upset than they were. So another five minutes in that mess isn't going to kill them if, if I need to make sure that I don't, go to hell <laughs> because because I'm losing my salvation over this thing. Yeah, Janelle. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time in this position the last 10 years at our church, but you know Paul talks a lot about not duplicating the important disciples. How do you deal with that? If you look around the room and you say, do I want two or three more of any of these people and you start to get nervous, how do you <laughs> deal with that before you try and make disciples? Like, I'm being honest. <laughs> Um, I, I guess the first thing is opportunity. So there, there's some people who are sort of on the journey, but they got lost their way. So how do we get them on the right journey? Can we get them on the right journey? And that may be um, disciple-making culture. Is, is it Doug Breen? What's his first name? Mike Breen. Sorry, Mike Breen. He talks about persons of peace, and he talks about Lydia. Um, in the Macedonian call, and Lydia just opened up her family and her house and her life 
uh, to Paul and Timothy, and be it became a, a place where a great church was planted. Look for those people first, though. We, we want to we help, but, but they, may, may, they may not be ready, and by you getting one of their friends ready, maybe that's the thing that'll get them. You know, I need to reevaluate this because I'm not hearing it from, is it Janelle? Yeah. I'm not hearing it from Janelle. How many of you have people that won't hear it from you? So maybe it's someone else they need to hear it from. And Jesus, Jesus is really good at just letting that kind of go. You know, I watch how Jesus deals with people. I want to grab them and make sure they, they come along. And he's like, no, you can't come with me. Go, just, just go home and tell your testimony. You can't come. But he was, he was a guy that was naked and nobody liked him because all the pigs died. And Jesus, you should have took him with him to at least protect him from that hostile crowd. But he says, no, you'll be okay. Go on your way. So, yeah, I don't, I would never do it like Jesus does. That's why I keep asking him, how would you do it? <laughs> and I, yeah. I do believe you are talking about disciples. And the idea that even if you make disciples, it's still their choice. So as much as you love people and you want to meet people, it's still them following you. That's good. You know that law of boundaries? You, you, I don't know if you, is that you're responsible to people, but not for people? I could be the worst minister in the Ohio Ministry Network, and I'm going to stand before God for what, what I did, but I'm not going to stand before God for the eight people that send their brains out in response to what I did. Okay? I have influence, but they're going to stand. Jesus isn't going to say, well, Pastor Brent was a jerk. You're off the hook. No, they, they acted. <laughs> they, they, so, so again, I've got, I, I got to back up and recognize that, you know, even when I make, make mistakes and I don't get it, um, I want to own it. We own too much. Um, if you're doing your best, God knows you're doing your best and he's put you in an environment so you don't have to be perfect. Um, and if people want to get it, they can get it. They'll climb a tree and, and stand out. I mean, if people are hungry, they're going to get it. So you just don't want to get in their way is the main thing.